Well, hello, this is Bob Ray, and welcome to another episode of Love Like a River, where we examine the statements and expressions of the God of the Old and New Testaments with the goal of discovering the practical applications of those words for our lives today. Our topic in this broadcast is forgiveness. Verse 12 of chapter 6 of the Gospel of Matthew says this, And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Now, if you've been tracking with this series, you know that we've been going through the disciples' prayer as found there in the book of Matthew, and we are at the point where this verse brings up the subject of forgiveness. Last time we dealt with give us this day our daily bread. So there was a petition asking for what we need. And it's interesting that right on the heels of that, the very next thing Jesus includes is forgive us our debts. How essential is that? How essential is the forgiveness of sin and debt? That's what we're going to look at today. So this topic forgiveness, um, as I said, on the heels of asking for what we need daily, Jesus brings up forgiveness. Um, a lot's been said about forgiveness. You could read a lot of books about forgiveness. We're going to zero in on a couple practical aspects of forgiveness, what it means to us in our relationship with God and what it means with us in our relationship with others. Because if you actually look at this verse, when it says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, there's three parties involved here. There's God, who the petition is going to, Father in heaven. And then there's you, of course, you're the one that's praying. And then there's others. It says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our, forgiven our debtors. So there's God, there's you, and there's others. And that's what we're going to key in on is these three parties. Forgiveness, according to what Jesus lays out here, is both vertical and horizontal. It's vertical in our relationship with God up and down between him and us. And then it's horizontal flat out towards others on this horizontal plane of the earth, um, our relationship with other humans. So there's two different dynamics here. There's the relationship with God, the relationship with others, the vertical and the horizontal. He mentions those two directions um, and we need to, in this study, look at both of them. What's the impact of the one on the other? Is there a connection? Are they interrelated? Are they separate aspects of forgiveness? And what we're going to see is they're not separate. They are interlinked. They go hand in hand. That is the assumption of this verse. There's an assumption that the two go hand in hand. They are connected. Jesus said, forgive us as we have forgiven. So when we're talking to God about forgiveness, it's in the context of how we have forgiven others. There's a, uh, it's like a linchpin. It's linked together. The hinge is you. The hinge of the vertical and the horizontal is you and me. So um, according to Jesus, forgiveness from God is tied into the forgiveness that others receive from us. Let me repeat that. According to Jesus, forgiveness from God is tied into the forgiveness that others receive from us. Now, 
stick with me here. There's going to be a very interesting story we talk about, which will illustrate this. Jesus's own words illustrating and proving this point. But I want you to highlight what I just said there, because this is the major point of this teaching, that forgiveness from God is tied into the forgiveness that others receive from us. Jesus instructs us to ask for that which we are giving to others. It's interesting. He asks us to, to ask for that which we're already giving to others. So there's a dynamic here, an interrelated dynamic. Uh, to summarize the point, Jesus says that forgiveness is an interconnected activity. He's saying that true forgiveness involves both God above us and our neighbor beside us. True forgiveness involves both God above us and our neighbor beside us. I want you to think about that. I want you to meditate on that. I want you to write that down. I want you to look at this verse again and see that what he's talking about is the interconnected two relationships, one with God and one with others. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. All right. So the great story, the great illustration I mentioned to you is found in chapter 18 of this same gospel of Matthew. And it starts in verse 23. It's the story of a king and one of his servants. So Jesus was asked a question. This was his response. He said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. Now, when he had begun to settle, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. So you imagine this, this king wants to settle his debts. He's got lines of people, all these slaves, they're working it out. And then amongst that group, one is found that owes him 10,000 talents. Do you know what a talent is? Talents, number one, were precious metals. They were, they were the weight of gold and silver and bronze. You can read all through the Old Testament that these weights were mainly, uh, for, in the sense of debts and money, they were a, a weight of a precious metal. That one talent, uh, they're saying, uh, was somewhere between 58 to 80 pounds. So let's use the lower number, 58. 58 times 10,000. Do you know what that number is? That's 580,000. 580,000 pounds of precious metal. That's a lot of money. Uh, I've read different commentaries where we talk about that being in the millions. Okay. Lots of money. This guy owed the king a ton. And look at verse 25. But since he did not have the means to repay, he couldn't pay the king back. He didn't have all that money. He didn't have a million bucks. He borrowed a million bucks, but he didn't have a million bucks. The Lord, the king, commanded him to be sold along with his wife, along with his children, and all that he had so that repayment could be made. Now, I know in modern society, we don't go selling people, their wives and their kids, but back then... The king had the power to do that. He could sell this guy off, sell his wife, sell his house, take his Maserati. <laughs> he, he had the power. And he said, let's do it. This guy needs to repay me. So watch in verse 26 what happens. The slave fell to the ground. He prostrated himself. He's laying there on the pavement. And he's crying out, 
have patience, have patience with me. I'll repay you everything. So he's making this promise. He's begging for his life, basically, because if you got thrown in prison, he wasn't coming out because every, every penny would have to be paid. And that's a lot of money. And how do you make money in prison to repay it? That's a life sentence. So this guy falls to the ground, begs the king, and look at verse 27. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. He not only kept him out of prison, he forgave the debt. Could you imagine having your debts wiped out? I mean, wow. Could you imagine that? I don't know how much debt you have, if you have any, but if you've ever had debt, even if it's like 10 bucks or 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks and someone came along and just wiped it out, how would you feel? Well, this guy, <laughs> he has a million dollars wiped out. You'd think the guy would be uh, in this awesome transformed state, but unfortunately that is not the end of the story. So keep reading verse 28. But that slave went out and found one of his felt. Now, this is the guy that just had been forgiven. Okay. He had just been, his debt had been wiped out. Watch what he does here. He went and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 denarii. Now, do you know what a denarii is? It's one day's wage. All right. So the guy owed him 100 denarii. So that's a lot. That's 100 days wages, one third of a year. But compare one third of a year, a hundred denarii to 580,000 pounds of precious metal. There's no comparison. The king has wiped out this huge, tremendous million dollar debt. And now this guy goes out and grabs somebody. Look at the rest of the verse. It says he seized him. He began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. So this fellow this fellow slave fell to the ground and he began to plead with him saying, have patience with me. I will repay you. Now, does that sound familiar? Somebody laying on the ground begging to have time and a promise to repay. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. This slave had done the same thing before the king, but look what happens. Verse 30, but he was unwilling, unwilling what? unwilling to grant this guy the time, unwilling to forgive the debt. He could have he could have forgiven the debt completely, or he could have said, you still owe me, but I'm not throwing you in prison. Go work and pay me. But no, verse 30, he was unwilling. He went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. You're going to prison, buddy. You owe me money. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, imagine if you had seen both scenes, seen the, the, what happened before the king, and then this guy goes out and you witness it on the street. How would you feel? What would you be thinking? It disturbed these people. So what did they do? Verse 31, those fellow slaves, they were deeply grieved and they came and reported it to their Lord, the king, all that had happened. So, you know, that guy that you forgave a million bucks, well, he went on the street and he, he threw a guy in prison that owed him a sm small amount, a much smaller amount than what he owed, owed you. How would you feel if you were the king 
Look at verse 32. Then summoning him, his Lord, the king said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should pay all that was owed to him. Verse 35. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Wow. We need to take some time with this story. We need to individually, outside of the podcast, break out your Bible, read this story again, think about it. How does it apply to your life? You and I, if we're Christians, have been forgiven much. An unpayable debt has been removed off of our life if sin has been removed. You and I couldn't solve that problem. Jesus solves that problem. It's a debt we could not pay. And then what are we supposed to do with that? What are we supposed to do with that love, that forgiveness? We're supposed to give it to others. Are we? Are there people in our lives that we're not doing that with? We have been forgiven much. We as Christians of all people should be abundantly granting forgiveness to everyone around us, even those and especially those who have wronged us. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to seek the forgiveness of God. He's like the king in this story. It doesn't matter the size of your debt. He will forgive it if you repent, if you sincerely cry out to him. He'll give you the grace to hear him, to see him, to hunger for him. And when that grace comes into your life, your response is to cry out to him in prayer. Your response is to change your thinking. That's what repentance is, to change the way you think, to hunger and thirst for him. He gives you new life. And with that new life, you're to walk a new way with him, which will be, as you see here, a way of forgiveness. In fact, forgiving other people, if you're a non-believer, that'd be a good proof that you mean business with God and, and a way of receiving his forgiveness. They're, they're interlinked. Just read the words of Jesus. He, you pray to God, forgive us as we forgive. Forgiveness is crucial. Forgiveness is the, one of the main themes of the Bible. There's a scripture in the New Testament that talks about Jesus came into the world for this very purpose for the forgiveness of sin, your sin, my sin. So forgiveness is a major part of our lives as Christians. Now, there's two other points here that I want to make. One comes from Peter's question on forgiveness. It's actually the question that prompted Jesus to tell that story that we just went through. And then we're going to look at the last words of Jesus after he finished teaching the disciples' prayer. In the book of Matthew, after verse 13, Jesus 
makes two statements. We'll look at verse 14 and 15. So these are the last two things we want to look at. Peter's question on forgiveness, and then Jesus's last words after the disciples' prayer. So first, Peter's question. You'll find it chapter 18, verse 21, right before the story. It says, Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, Peter probably thought he was making a really good statement here, like, okay, you know, if somebody does something to me, I forgive them, and then I forgive them again, I forgive them, but you know what, I'm going to be really good here, I'm going to say up to seven times, that's my standard here, I'll forgive them up to seven times, do the same thing six times, boom, do it a seventh time, boom, I forgive you, but Jesus answered and said to him, I do not say up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So Jesus and Peter uh, are looking at each other and, and Peter put out a standard of seven and then Jesus just upped it to 490 because 70 times seven is 490. Now, my question is, did Jesus mean only 490 times? I mean, if somebody, if there was really somebody in your life that could sin that many times against you and they were at 489, would their ticket run out with the next uh, offense? at 490? No, this is not what Jesus meant. He didn't mean just a number, a numerical uh, value of 490. What he meant was it's beyond what you would set. Peter set seven. Jesus said, no, how about 70 times seven, 490? You keep forgiving until and beyond the limit that you have in your own mind. You forgive again and again and again, and we should be known as people who forgive. Now, that doesn't mean we forget. It doesn't mean we're stupid and we just let people keep doing things to us, but you forgive the person. You forgive a group of people. You forgive again and again as many as it takes, because I'm going to show you in a few minutes, forgiveness is not just for them. Forgiveness is really for you. So Jesus's final words uh, after his teaching, that's our last point here. Um, after the Lord's prayer, when he says the final part of the prayer in verse 13, he goes on to say these words. Listen, verse 14, for if you forgive men their transgressions, their sins, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, isn't this interesting? He goes through the prayer. One of the lines of the prayer talks about forgiveness. Okay. Forgive us our debts. But then right after he's done with the prayer, he comes back to this subject of forgiveness. And the two lines, 14 and 15, one, the first one deals with, if you forgive, what will happen? Verse 14, if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. See how they're linked? If you forgive, your heavenly father will forgive. If you forgive, he'll forgive. You forgive, he'll forgive. You forgive, he'll forgive. It's linked. Now look at verse 15. But if you do not forgive others, then your father 
will not forgive you. Do you think that some of the problems in your life might be that there's unforgiveness in your heart? I at times um, run into situations and I go to prayer and the Lord reminds me I'm holding something against a person. And then I repent and I ask forgiveness and I internally, I forgive that person. I let it go. In fact, this just happened to me this week is coincided with this time frame. There's a person that owes me a lot of money, but the Lord said, let it go. Forgive it. I let it go. I forgave it. It wasn't easy, but I let it go because the truth of the scriptures is if you forgive, you will be forgiven. If you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. So I challenge you to look into your own heart and ask these questions about forgiveness. I'm going to give you a little exercise here at the very end, but ask yourself this question. How important is forgiveness to God? Think about that. How important is forgiveness to God? So important that he puts it in the disciples' prayer, and then when he finishes the prayer, he comes right back to it and says, hey, guys, I got to point this out to you. If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. I think that we need to let the words of Jesus sink in. If we want to answer the question, how important is forgiveness to God? We need to meditate on the words of Jesus, okay? Because we need to obey his instructions. We need to do what Jesus instructed us to do. We need to become and remain people who forgive. So now, let me talk to you about how to forgive. Here's a practical application, and we'll close with this. Forgiveness. How do you do it? Well, number one, you need to think about the people in your lives that you might need to forgive. People right off the top of your head, you know, you can pray. You say, God showed this to me, but you know, sometimes you don't even need to pray. If you just ask the question, who do I need to forgive? Somebody will come to mind. They hurt you. They lied about you. They lied to you. They stole from you. They've caused you pain. It could be a parent. It could be a friend. It could be a teacher. It could be anybody in your past from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or yesterday. Anyone that caused you pain, identify them. Jesus is not telling us to forget. Some people won't forgive because, oh, I just can't forget it. It keeps coming up in my mind. Well, you know what? It can keep coming up in your mind because your, your subconscious mind, your mind is a recorder. It records all that stuff. It's got it in there. But there's a difference between having a memory and holding a grudge. There's a difference between data being in the computer and an instruction being there to hate somebody. You got to let it go. Forgiveness is letting it go. Jesus said, forgive. He was basically saying, let it go. Like the king let the debt go towards the servant. And the servant got in trouble. Why? Because he wouldn't let it go. This other person owed him money. He would not let it go. Nope, I'm going to put this guy in jail. I'm not letting go of this. I'm angry at him. He owes me money. No, the, the example of the father is let it go. Free yourself. This is what forgiveness really does. 
Forgiveness works to free up your heart, your life, your relationship with God. And this is why it's so critical that Jesus three times now talks about letting forgiveness be a major part of your life. Because if you don't forgive, you become bitter. If you don't forgive, you become preoccupied. If you don't forgive, you become like a pipe that's clogged with gunk. So forgiveness allows you to flush the pipe. It'll free up your heart, free up your life, free up your relationship with God. But God is wise to tell you that, hey, what you have between you and others is indicative of your relationship with him. If you hold unforgiveness and bitterness towards others, guess what you are allowing in your relationship with God? You're allowing blockage. If you hold unforgiveness in your heart, you cannot experience the forgiveness of God. You block yourself from it. There's, it's like you could picture two pipes, one going from your head up towards God, one going from your heart out towards others. And if you block the, the pipe that goes towards others, stop it up, you think something can flow from it, the other pipe down into you and out? No, you're the one creating a blockage. He's saying, free yourself. Forgiveness works to free up your heart. Unforgiveness clogs your heart. Jesus said, if you forgive, you are forgiven. The pipes are clear. Forgiveness from God flows to you and flows out to others. But if you will not forgive others, guess what you just did? You stopped the flow. So this says forgiveness is in your control. I want you to go back over these verses. Go back over verse 13, verse 12, verse 14, 15. Go over the story in chapter 18. Reread these things. Meditate on them. Think, how does this apply to your life? Is there one person, or maybe it's five people, maybe it's a whole family, Maybe it's a boss at work. Maybe it's an old teacher. I once had a struggle with a, a comment that a teacher had said to me. I think I was in like fifth grade. And I was many, many years past that. When I was doing some introspection, I, I found a comment in my mind from that teacher that was a problem. And I had to forgive that teacher. I had to say, you know what? They just didn't know what they were saying because it was proven wrong. <laughs> it wasn't true. It was their own problem. It's how they saw the world. But you got to let it go, folks. You got to let it go and choose forgiveness. Because when you choose forgiveness, you're choosing freedom for you. And that is what today's show was all about. Forgiveness. We would love for you to get free and to say that this program helped you in learning how to forgive others and how to experience greater forgiveness from God. So thank you for spending time with us. We know that you have many listening options. We appreciate your decision to spend time with us. Join us next time. And we're going to be examining the subject of temptation and evil. If you look at verse 13, it says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we're going to look at the subject of temptation and evil next time we're together. This is your host, Bob Ray, wishing you the best of God's wisdom deeper discovery of his love for you.